The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Welcome into another episode of Payoff Pitch, Action Network's go-to Major League Baseball podcast. Your host, Brendan Glasheen, with Sean Zarillo of the Action Network, also Action Network senior editor, Colin Whitchurch. We come to you every Tuesday and Friday during the season with analysis and breakdown of the MLB slate. So if you're into that sort of thing, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Great to have you with us on this Friday, April 29th. Before we get to the slate, the Cincinnati Reds are on the slate, and the Cincinnati Reds, Sean Zarillo, are not playing very well. Uh, they are 3-16. and 16. They have a minus 49 run differential, which is dead last in baseball, and it's really not close. The Nationals are at minus 43, but Cincinnati Reds are really finding a lot of ways to lose games here out of the gate. What is our overall thought process on the Reds? Neither of you just to kind of not to you know want to get out get this out there now. Neither of you have a win total investment on on this team. So that, that's good news, unless you had the the the, the under on the wins. But uh, what's this the state of the Reds? I thought this team was going to be better, Sean. Yeah, their listed total coming into the year was seventy three and a half. I had an eye on the under seventy five and a half in my preseason article. I had projected them at seventy two point seven, which was the lowest around the projection market. There was a high of eighty four from Davenport. But Fangrass and Bakota, they were between 75 and 79. I should have probably pulled the trigger once they traded Jesse Winker right before opening day because that was the sign that they weren't willing to compete, spend money. And it seems like the rest of the team quit the moment that the season started. The team president mentioned that they're not going to spend money and maybe you guys should go root for somebody else because what are you going to do? Go root for somebody else? Yeah, at this point, if you're a Reds fan, maybe it's time to abandon ship because this team is terrible. They're pacing for 25 wins over the course of 162 games. Obviously, that is unsustainable. But you can't bet on this bullpen right now. The bullpen is horrible. They lead the league in strikeout rate offensively. I do show first five inning value on the Reds today. 
Here's why I'm hesitant. Hunter Green's fastball dropped off of a cliff in his last start. He had the most pitches over 100 miles an hour ever in a game. Two starts back, but in his last start, his velocity dropped off by four miles an hour. So a bit nervous about Green today. The market did move with me from plus 110 down to minus 110 in some spots. Also like the first five under six there, even under five and a half at plus money. This is just a tough team to put my money behind at this point. I've actually managed to push or win money on them in the past three days, which feels like a miracle. I'm worried that I'm going to lose money back on them today. So this is a team probably to keep my money away from unless I'm betting first five inning bets on Tyler Molly. If you were a $100 better, you'd be down about 1200 bucks. If you were betting on the Reds here out of the gate, Colin Whitchurch, your read on this baseball team as, as Zarillo hit on bullpens, really struggling. They're coming off getting swept by the Padres and they are at Coors field this weekend, taking on the Rockies. It's really baffling. I mean, I knew the Reds were going to be bad. I don't think anyone expected them to be this bad, and I don't think they're going to be this bad going forward. This is why it's kind of a team to kind of put a pin in and keep an eye on going forward for opportunities to buy on once regression, positive regression comes their way. Their Pythagorean record is actually 5-14, and 14, which is still really bad, but um, show some, some positive regression is coming. I actually forgot this, but... I saw yesterday in 2018, they started three and 18. So this is not uncharted waters in terms of recent Reds history. They started three and 18 that year. They fired Brian Price at three and 15, uh, went 64 and 80 the rest of the way under Jim Riggleman and finished the year 67 and 95. Didn't even lose a hundred games after that terrible of a start. The thing that's annoying me about the Reds right now is that the books aren't overreacting like, like you mentioned, Sean, I mean, plus 100, plus 110-ish range today against the Rockies. I'm waiting to bet the Reds when they're plus 180, plus 200, because you know the wins are going to come. Just the law of averages say this team is going to win 50 games. <laughs> so I'm looking for opportunities to buy them. The books aren't reacting to it yet. I... But for right now, I'll say for, for right now, this team is a no bet for me until they're getting priced in a similar fashion to, say, the Orioles or the Pirates on a regular basis, because I want to have really good value on this team if I'm going to bet on them. Even with this start, their prorated record for me is still 67 and 95 based off of that preseason projection. So I don't even see them winning, losing 100 games yet. Um, we're not even at that point yet. So I, I think that's what's interesting. They should go on quite a hot streak at some point. But for today, yeah, I don't see full game value on them. And that's actually been a rarity relative to the, the past week or so where I feel like I've had to bet them every day. It's a good point by Colin. If you're, if you're patient and if they continue to, continue to go on a downward uh, trajectory here, maybe you do get some value. And the complete flip side of that is like when we come on here, we don't normally talk about for example, taking the Dodgers on the money line, right? Because they're at minus 225 or even the Giants today against the Nats or that the Nats are the next worst team. They're at minus 235 today. But wait and see there uh, with those uh, with, with the underdog Reds. Again, a team that was expected to be a little bit better than what they're doing right now. So like uh, I think positive regression is the, is the key to that discussion. So something for us to open up uh, some conversation on this, uh, this slate 13 gamer today, as we mentioned. I want to talk about some of the matchups of the day leading off Sean Zarillo. Let's go to Phillies Mets. Once again, we have ourselves a division matchup, two teams projected to finish close to the top along with the Braves and the NL East. What's the right play here? Mets are favored and the total set at seven. 
I'll keep this very simple. This is a pass for me. I projected the Mets at minus 107. I projected this total at 6.8. So based on the juice on both sides, sides in total, uh, it's just no bet for me. And the Phillies need to probably win a couple games in the series to get their way back into the at least race because the Mets are starting to pull away from everybody. Mets are 14 and six, Colin. And they, uh, they've been fantastic. A plus 33 run differential. Phillies, though, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, 10-10 ten ten overall. Is this a stay-away spot for you, too, or do you have any interest? I actually have a little bit of interest in the under here. Zerlo mentioned his projections, and, and those seem fair. But the reason I like the under is obviously because of Aaron Nola and Tyler McGill, obviously two of the better pitchers in the NL East. McGill keeps proving that what we saw from him in 2021 is no fluke. Nola looks more like himself this year. But my, my actual reason for liking the under is because – of the bullpens. Now you are rarely going to hear me talk about the Phillies bullpen in a positive light, but the simple fact is, is that these bullpens are rested right now. The Phillies had an easy win against Colorado yesterday. Didn't use a lot of key arms. The Mets were off yesterday. Generally, if I'm going to bet an under with elite starting pitching and shaky bullpens, I'm going to look at the bullpen usage. And I think that they can survive behind Nola and McGill today. I would probably like a seven and a half if I were going to take this and, and go a full unit wager on here. So uh, a little bit of hesitancy there, but under seven is I'm probably going to have about a half unit play on that. Okay. And seven, one of the lower totals on the slate. It's kind of what we talked about on Tuesday and the end of the week last week with these totals starting to come down. But of course this does have a pretty good, Pitching matchup, moving on to some other games that we are focused on, some matchups of the day. Former Met, Noah Syndergaard is on the mound for the Angels. They're taking on Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. Another good pitching matchup here. Total set at 7 Zerolo. Is this a game that you're targeting with another good pitching matchup? Yeah, I bet the Angels on the first five line here, plus 115, but that's the price that I need in order to make a play. Plus 110, I'd pass. So look for plus 115 out there. Otherwise, pass on this game. But I like what Syndergaard's doing this year. There's been a bit of a sinker slider revolution going on around MLB and Syndergaard is leaning into that a little bit, increased his sinker usage, ground ball rate up north of 55%. So I like what Syndergaard's doing. I like what the angels are trying to do with him. His fastball velocity has come down a little bit, four seam fastball by about two miles an hour coming off of an injury. So perhaps just trying to use his defense behind him, not try to blow up past hitters perhaps increase his longevity too. It seemed like he was overthrowing and, and that might've been what caused his injury. So Angels first five are passed for me. Colin, it feels like at some point the White Sox are going to have to turn a corner here. I mean, they're seven and 11. It's early. I know that's a common theme when we're talking records in April, but is there something, I don't really see any value though. On a, if you look at the, the, the money line, it's minus minus one thirty for the White Sox. I mean, the, the Angels are red hot right now. Yeah, I'm, for the record, Zerillo added this game to the list. I am very, very sickened anytime I have to talk about my White Sox right now and what's going on over there. You're right. The offense needs – the offense should hit at some point, right? There are too many – obviously, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, probably more than most teams in baseball at this point in the season. But there are still a lot of talented hitters in the lineup. Anderson's been healthy outside of a minor suspension. Abreu's been healthy. Grandal's been healthy. It's it's very frustrating, and, and you're sitting here watching this team and saying they're going to hit eventually. I don't think that they're going to hit today, 
the interesting thing about Syndergaard against Giolito is that these are pitchers who I think we're still going to see their managers treat them with kid gloves a little bit in this start. Thor is maxed out at 88 pitches this season. Giolito was injured on opening day, came back five days ago through 76 pitches, was really good in those 76 pitches. I think he struck out nine in just 76 pitches. So I don't see value on either side here, but I will be targeting another under here. It's a first five under, I think three and a half at about minus 115. I think both of these pitchers are good enough to get through five with limited damage. I don't trust the White Sox offense at all right now. And I trust Giolito to handle Trout, Otani and company at least two times through the order. Yeah, one thing that would scare me with the under, the White Sox 29th in defensive run saved and dead last and outs above average, and they look like it. They're an absolute mess defensively. They keep giving teams extra outs, and it's been really ugly. I think that's why people are calling for La Russa to be on the chopping block, just because defensively they they look like they have no idea what they're doing. Calling for La Russa to be on the chopping block, falling on the deaf ears of Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> and and you're, you're right about that defense, and especially – and that that a lot of that's injury-based. I think when they run out of outfield defense of – Vaughn, Pollock, and Sheets. It's an issue. And you get Adam Engel there. He's a gold glove caliber outfielder. But, and obviously, when Luis Robert might be back tonight, they actually didn't IL him, but he's been out for five or six days now. Robert and Engel in that outfield make it a lot better. But when they're throwing some of their plethora of first basemen out there in left and right field, it's, it's an issue. Colin Whitchurch is feeling the pain so much that he wore a Washington Nationals T-shirt uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I'm going in uh, two weeks. I'm going to DC and I'm going to catch a. I'm going to Nationals Mets. In fact, Zerillo. So I, I need to represent. It's a Bryce Harper jersey, so mm. it's a little dated, but we'll we'll do it. This is Giolito's first home start of the season, so you got that going for you. And you were right, 76 pitches over four innings against the Twins last time out, and he struck out nine batters, like you said. So. Uh, that's pretty efficient stuff out of Lucas Giolito. They're expecting big things, but the bats got to wake up for the White Sox to get back in the mix here. One and nine over their last 10 games. Moving on to some other games. Oh, look out. Uh-oh. You think you're safe over there on deck, but you're really not. <laughs> on deck, we want to discuss on the slate today. Again, it's a big one. Zarillo, Red Sox, offense. I mean, they had a nice night two nights ago. Then they get shut out one nothing against Toronto now they're playing Baltimore what are you eyeing in this matchup what's the right way to bet Red Sox Orioles yeah this was a game that I actually bet before I even saw who the Orioles starter was so that tells you a lot about Rich Hill expected metrics expected FIP over five the past couple of seasons this year it is it he's actually closer to six 589 Sierra 4.7 4.93 the last two years And actually, once I found out Kyle Bradish was starting for the Orioles, I got a bit more excited because how I manipulate these projections, I could actually make the Orioles a favorite here, which sounded surprising even to me. But Bradish has a fastball that's 95 miles an hour, grades as a 60-grade pitch, so an above-average offering. A couple of uh, breaking balls, curveball, slider that rate closer to average, and a changeup that is a show-me pitch. Command is going to be what drives his success. Rates as a potentially below-average command guy. But in the high minors this year, AAA, Good strikeout to walk numbers over three starts, 17 strikeouts, three walks in 15 innings. So coming into this game in good form, making his major league debut, could actually have made the Orioles a favorite, but I like their first five line down to plus 115, their full game line down to plus 120. I think the Orioles are a clear side in this spot against Rich Hill. 
Okay, and they're plus 115 full game on DraftKings. Red Sox are at minus 135. And then just another game on deck that you wanted to uh, to touch on, Zerillo. You have the – we mentioned the, I mentioned the Dodgers. They're, they're a heavy favorite taken on the Tigers. What's the right way to go about this one? Yeah, the, the Tigers just my pure projection play of the day. Yeah. You're often going to find value going against the Dodgers with what you would perceive as bad teams or below 500 teams, and that's definitely the case here. Don't see much of a projection difference between the two Tylers, Alexander and Anderson, who are starting this game. Alexander may be closer to 4.5, but Anderson around a 4.25 fit projection pitcher. So I actually like the first 500 here. I think both of them are a little bit underrated. First five under four and a half, but the Tigers money line, first five full game. They kind of have to be on your tickets. Uh, there's substantial room on both of those numbers. Very nice. Yeah. Plus 175 to get the Tigers first five money line. And uh, plus 105, their team total is at one and a half uh, for the first five. So, okay. And then uh, moving on to Colin Whitchurch, you've got a game you're eyeing. Corey Kluber is very familiar with teams in the AL Central. He's got the Twins today, and he's facing Dylan Bundy. Yeah, I'm going with a little bit of a contrarian play here with two pitchers who have looked really good in the early season, Dylan Bundy and Corey Kluber. Bundy actually, coincidentally, was traded for Kyle Bradish. Um, That's how... Yeah. Bundy ended up in Los Angeles. Uh, Bradish was a fourth round pick by the Angels traded to Baltimore for Dylan Bundy. Didn't work out too well for L.A., working out pretty well for Minnesota in the early going. I'm not believing Bundy's change this year, his success. All of his peripherals are decently solid, but his pitch mix, his usage, his velo, all approximately what it has been during his entire career. Kluber looked really good through a couple of starts this year, got really hit around against the Red Sox last time. And it actually could have been a lot worse than what the line said. He gave up 11 hits in five innings. I think just three or four earned runs. The twins are the second best team in baseball so far in hard contact I really hate betting overs at Tropicana Field, but I do think seven and a half is too low for this. Minnesota's bullpen has has shown a, some signs of weaknesses this year. I think that offense is going to beat up on Kluber, and I think that Bundy's in for a little bit of regression. So I really like the over seven and a half in Twins Rays today, despite it being at Tropicana where the, the totals are often set a little bit too high. You know, I was wondering you were going to go to another under with these numbers in the seven, seven and a right. half range. Yeah, but oh, yeah, I'm on the I under got... there. I projected this at 7.1, but I, I agree with Colin. I, both starters make me a little sketchy. Maybe targeting a live under once they both come out could be the move. Um, Ray's bullpen locks almost every game down once their starters come out. That's just, I see Ray's games all the time at the trop where there's early scoring and then nobody scores after the fifth inning. It just seems to be a very common theme. Unders are eight and four there, there this year. I bet a bunch of those. I tend to be lower on the trop relative to market, so it could just be my park factor, but the ball just seems to not be moving there at all. Minnesota rolling, too. 5-0 and oh straight up their last five, and the unders hit in their last six games on the road. So we shall see if Whitchurch is on to it here tonight in, uh, at the trop in Tampa. Okay, as we do every episode on Payoff Pitch, cleaning up, it's time for Best Bets. Are you going to place a bet or what? They never quit. It's unbelievable. It's kind of the game within the game here. Okay, last episode we went one and three 
as a squad, two picks apiece. Seven, seven, and three is the uh, record on the season, fellas. So hanging around 500, that's all good. 500's fine this time of year. But as we make the turn for, for May here, we need to start figuring out who's a real contender on this, uh, on this award-winning show here on Payoff Pitch. All right, Sean Zarillo, take it away. Best bets. Well, I can go 500 for a whole season and be very profitable. Actually, I'm up over eight units on the year, hitting around 50% of my bets because I keep betting average odds around plus 120. And that's what I'm going to give out today. Orioles first five, Orioles full game around that plus 115 to plus 120 range. Like I said, my first five target down to plus 115 full game, I'd prefer plus 120 or better, but it's a Rich Hill fade. And I'm actually going to buy a little bit of stock on Kyle Bradish. So Royal Orioles always hit better against lefties than they do righties. That split goes back to last year. It's factored into my 2022 projection. Always look to target the Orioles against the lefty, but particularly against Rich Hill, who, as Colin has said, including last year, is over the hill. All right. So the Red Sox, that's not good news for your, for yours truly. They're just going to continue to... Yeah, but it's Fenway South, Cirillo. Come on, man. I mean, the Red Sox fans are going to take over. We'll, we'll see. It is difficult to factor in home field advantage with these teams who just don't have fans show up. You know, I, I actually <laughs> want to do a project that would be a bit more involved figuring out dynamic home field advantage for these teams to see whether teams who have been bad for extended periods do have a lessened home field advantage. I think it would be something around figuring out win expectation compared to odds at home versus on the road. I feel like the but, best way to do a project like that is just, is just to go. You just go and you just feel <laughs> it out. Uh, get the experience. Just vibe. Just vibe in there. Colin Whitchurch, best bets. Or is it is it bet today? Is it Or is it bets? Well, I... I just wanted on the record that I was doing a lot better in best bets before Brendan started forcing me <laughs> to make two picks, but I do have two picks today that I like. I don't have right. to force anything. One of them is just kind of a blind over. I'm actually curious your thoughts on this is six and a half is a total where I'm always going to be looking at the over, especially when it's elite pitching matchups. We saw six and a half recently in a start. It was like Max Scherzer against Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler or something. Blind bet the over. I believe it hit. The other day we had a six and a half between the Giants and Athletics with Carlos Rodon on the mound. Instant over. I think the Giants scored five in the first or second inning. So I'm going over six and a half in the Guardians Athletics. Aaron Savali against Frankie Montes. Savali has been awful this year. I know neither of these offenses are anything special. That's why the total is this low. But Aaron Savali has been brutal this year. Montes has been a little bit better, but he's definitely hittable. Six and a half just seems far too low. The the cavernous alleys at whatever they're calling the Oakland Stadium nowadays are rife for doubles. Jose Ramirez is hitting the hell out of the ball early in the season. So really big fan of over six and a half in Cleveland, Oakland. My other best bet, as I often do, is a player prop, and it's Chris Bubich against Nestor Cortez and the Yankees today. Bubich has been virtually unusable this year for the Royals. You know, they loaded up on all of these high floor, low ceiling college arms, and Bubich has shown some signs. He showed a little bit of signs last year, but... He has five strikeouts in three starts and only seven innings this year. And we're getting his number right now at four and a half at plus money under four and a half against a Yankees offense. That's absolutely clicking on all cylinders. I don't see any way he lasts more than three or four innings. He's not going to strike out more than a batter an inning 
under four and a half is, is my favorite play of the day. And that's a hammer spot for me. I'll, I'll comment on the over in Oakland real quick. I projected at 6.85. The juice has actually come down though on the over six and a half to minus 105. So I would probably bet it at minus 105. I prefer to wait for plus money. It's about a 1.7% edge at the minus 105. I usually like to bet edges at 2% or higher, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Colin, getting under that key number of seven with the over six and a half almost blindly at this point, I think is probably going to be profitable. All right, gents, good stuff. Zarilla makes a good point. I mean, the record's 500, but when you have some value like an Orioles play today, uh, up up in units this year. So it's good stuff. Well, Colin's killing me on these best bets. But yeah, if I, if I can just carry a 50% rate throughout the rest of the season with plus money, I think we'll definitely be profitable. Bet 100 every day and hope to win 103. That's right. Except, as we learned at the top of the show, just don't be doing that with the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I save Joey Votto. That's what I'll close with. He Poor looks guy. like he's absolutely miserable and disinterested. Poor Joey. Hey, who knows? I mean, the trade deadline will be here before we know it, right? So who wants to take on that big meaty contract? We'll find out. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Payoff Pitch Friday, April 29th, 2022. For Sean Zarillo over on the Action Network, Colin Whitchurch, Action Network Senior Editor, Brendan Glasheen. We're back next Tuesday, everybody. We'll be into the month of May, so we'll Wash out those uh, April trends and move on to a new month as the baseball season continues. Thanks for checking us out. Please rate, review, subscribe. We're here every Tuesday and Friday on Payoff Pitch, MLB Action Network podcast. We'll catch you next time. Best of luck today. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.